0: Should you do arbitrage or should you own? In today's video, we're going to dive into both. Welcome to the Investor Dave Show. If you're new to Mel and I, here's a quick rundown of us. We're full-time real estate investors. We were able to quit our full-time jobs in our 30s. We've now purchased over 240 units in five different countries. Canada, US, Costa Rica, Mexico, Dominican Republic. And we do so without any of our own money and no joint venture partners. So if you're interested in that, listen up. Now, if you're wondering what arbitrage is and you're hearing a lot of buzz around it because it's the new thing to do, and we're gonna dive into that. And then I also don't want you to forget about long-term owning of assets as well. So to begin, I want to explain arbitrage with some visual, okay? So let's pretend you have a building over here, okay? right with the roof and let's make it a duplex. So what arbitrage means is you don't actually own this, right? There's still the owner over here, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Owner, they still own this property here. You come along and you basically lease this property or you put this property under contract, right? There's different ways of doing this, but you could lease one of the units, lease both the units, or actually put this property under contract and control it completely. But I'll stick with just actually leasing the units. So what an arbitrage is, is the owner continues to own the property, right? You don't actually own it. You come along and you lease it. Then after that, what you do, so let's make up an example here. Let's say you rent out one unit for a thousand bucks, $1,000. So you are now paying the owner $1,000 a month, okay? What you end up doing through arbitrage is then you turn around and lease that exact same unit. Let's say you rented this one, number one, okay? And number two, let's say you rented number one. You then turn around and lease that exact same unit for $1,200. That's how people make money here and you're seeing the difference, right? So you're making the spread. You don't have to buy the property. You don't have to do any of the maintenance or anything like that and you get to lease it out and make a spread on it. That is arbitrage in a very quick and dirty nutshell. So now let's go over to the other side and explain ownership, right? So if you own the asset, let's do the same duplex, okay? With number one, number two, boom, boom, one and two. You now actually own this asset. So you, right, are the owner, you own it, okay? You own this building and you are the one that actually has to rent out the units and make sure that if you wanna get that $1,200 that you are the one actually renting it out and taking care of it. So it's basically the same thing, except this scenario over here does not actually own the asset, right? They don't have their name on the deed, on title, anything like that. Whereas this one, you actually are the owner, okay? So that is the biggest difference is you're leasing out the units, you're renting them out, collecting cash flow, and then still having to pay bills, which is paying rent as opposed to a mortgage. And this one is actual ownership. So they're very similar. It's just that ownership piece, which is the huge difference. Okay, so now that you understand that, let's go through the actual pros and cons. So over here, let's do the pros of doing arbitrage. Well, you do not, right, have to qualify for financing. Right, because you're just renting it, you don't have to qualify for a mortgage or anything like that. You do not have to take care of any of the actual structural stuff, right? So, all right, structural, and what I mean by that is let's say you know you're having roof issues, well, you're leasing this unit, the owner's gonna have to take care if the roof needs to be replaced, if the roof is leaking, if it needs new windows, if it needs new siding, if it needs a new furnace, if it needs uh, new plumbing, electrical, right? All of that structural stuff, you don't have to necessarily deal with it because you're just renting a unit. The owner has to take care of all that structural stuff. So the pros of Arbitrage so far, the financing, the structural, you don't have to necessarily take care of. Things in your unit, wear and tear, you will have to take care of it, but not the bigger ticket items. Something else is the period of time, right? You don't have commitment. So what I mean by this is, Commitment, let's say you lease this for one or two years, okay? And at the end of the two years, you find that the market has gone down and you're not necessarily reaping as many of the rewards as before. Your commitment was that two-year lease, so you can go, here you go owner, give them their unit back. So if the rents are lower at that time and they're not as profitable, you can literally walk away from that property or that area without much commitment because your lease is up. Okay, let's go over some cons here. So you. Because you're renting it, you do not get any of that appreciation. Now we all know, right, real estate over time continues to go up. Yes, there will be peaks and valleys. But let's say you have this asset and you've been renting it out for two years. The asset will most likely be worth more at the end of the two years. So you've been renting it out for higher. You've increased the net operating income for the landlord or for the owner. However, you don't get to reap those benefits at the end of it, whether the asset is worth more, you are trapped at basically what you're paying out to them and what you can rent it out. That is the only play you completely miss out on market appreciation or forced appreciation of the property. The other thing too is you don't have insulation, right? So you are subject to the rents and people renting it. So for example, the owner of this property owns both of them. okay? If you only rent one of these units and you don't rent it out, 100% of your income is not coming in. Think about that, right? However, you are still responsible to pay that owner, it doesn't matter if it's rented or not, you have a lease and you have to pay. So if you don't have it rented out, you're still on the hook for it. Think about the owner here, the owner has now leased it out to you, they will be getting the rent every month, but let's say you don't pay, they still have another unit. Right, So they're kind of insulated towards vacancies or people not paying rent because they have multiple units. That's something if you don't rent multiple units in that area, you won't be getting through the arbitrage. Now let's walk over to owning the asset. Okay, let's go through the pros and cons here. So some of the cons, right, you will kind of have like over there, you will have to go through financing and depending whether you know they'll have to look up your credit they'll have to they'll have to uh, provide paperwork and go through all the hoops which again is not earth-shattering but some people do not have what it takes to get finance on an asset so that might be a negative towards owning the asset the next thing is similar to that over there is the maintenance right so just like i said over there typically let's say if there's something with the roof structural anything like that as the owner you have responsibility to fix that That, no one can get around when you own an asset. Okay, so some of the pros that owning it is you do get that appreciation, right? So let's say, okay, let's say you bought this place, I don't know, let's make up numbers, okay? Let's say you bought it for $500,000 a couple of years ago and you continue to strive to reduce the expenses every single month, increase the income, and you have it steadily rented. Well, who knows, maybe, a couple years down the road, the property goes north, right? And now it might be worth, I don't know, let's make up some numbers, $650,000. So you will see that market appreciation over time. Again, all real estate goes up. This is a huge uh, pro for real estate. The other thing as well is you have a tangible asset, meaning this, you don't have an asset whatsoever. You have a source of income that stops immediately once your lease is over with. Okay. You don't have that recurring income. You don't have that security. The landlord might say, you know what? I don't want to continue the lease. And then what happens? All of a sudden that has dried up. This over here, owning assets is a tangible thing. It's repeat income every single month. And the last thing I kind of touched on it earlier, but basically you are your own boss with this asset. Let's say for example, over here, the seller decides, you know, cause they're in charge of all the structural stuff. So let's say the seller over here decides to paint the building a color that you don't agree with. You have no say. Let's say they decide to do something else with the exterior of the property or whatever the parking lot and you don't agree with it. Well, you don't have any say here because it's not your building. Over here, you're the boss. You decide, do I want to do something? Do I not want to do it? Do I want to refinance it? Do I want to sell it? Do I want to extend the lease? you have the final decision making, where over there you do not. Okay, so we went over the pros and cons. Now let's talk about creative financing. Now creative financing can apply to both scenarios. Let's start over here with arbitrage. With creative financing, you could do multiple different things. So for example, typically when you rent something, you need first and last. Well, you could borrow the money for first and last, and be up and running in no time to be renting out this unit arbitrage. Some owners, if they know you are doing arbitrage, they might ask for the entire lease up front. So if it's a one-year lease or a two-year lease, if they know you're gonna be renting it out through arbitrage, which I kind of suggest letting them know ahead of time right, to avoid any headaches, they might say, I'm cool with this, but I want the full lease up front. So where does creative financing help with this? If you're thinking, hey, I don't have two years worth of rent up front, you could borrow the funds, do creative financing to get you into this property. Last but not least, with creative financing, depending how you plan on renting this property, let's say you do short-term rental, you could use creative financing for your startup costs, right? Short-term rentals, you're gonna need furniture, bedding, utensils, everything that someone will need if they stay at your place for a night or two, you need to equip all of that. So that is another upfront fee that creative financing could help you with, in the arbitrage portion of this. Now let's look at creative financing with the owning portion of this. Mel and I are experts at this. We absolutely love doing this. We've done it numerous, numerous times. Okay, so creative financing, with this scenario of owning it, it could be your down payment, right? Because you will be actually purchasing the asset, you will need a downstroke. Now it doesn't need to be your money. The other thing with creative financing, everyone thinks they need to go to a financial institution and get a first mortgage. You don't necessarily need to do that. You could have seller financing provide financing for this. You could use registered funds. You could use promissory notes. All of those are the strategies that we utilize. So you could still buy the asset over here using creative financing with here and having to use very little of your own money, okay? So creative financing is beautiful when you're looking at owning a property. Now here we talked about maintenance, right? What if the place needs a renovation? You bought it and you're looking at doing the Burr, right? The bur is buy, renovate or rehab, depending on what you want to say, uh, rent, refinance, and repeat. Mel and I love doing that, we've done it numerous times. So if you are looking at doing a bird project, right, because you want to own it long-term, you can definitely use creative financing for that. Some people will call it funding a flip. Basically I call it, you're borrowing funds, you're improving the asset, and then you're refinancing to pay them back in the end. So creative financing to actually own assets, 100% doable, and then also to to renovate the the renovations and the maintenance, 100% doable as well. So creative financing I find is stronger on on this site. Next up, let's dive into long-term and PNW. PNW stands for personal net worth. And I wanna look at both options here. So the arbitrage version over here, is it necessarily going to help you long-term growth, long-term wealth? You could. You could say, hey, Dave, the monthly cash flow that I get from this, I'm going to put into another investment, maybe other real estate. Maybe I'll buy right, this real estate over here. Um, but if you continue to do this, it's not necessarily giving you that long-term wealth because this is not necessarily an asset. You haven't really invested into anything, right? You're just basically making cash flow. So for the long term if you continue to do this, that might be okay, but it's not that long-term growth that's going to help you especially for your personal net worth. So, this portion over here, this is this might be a 20 to 30 year play, meaning, you know, you bought the asset here, you're going to continue to lift the evaluation and over the period of 5, 10, 15, 20 years, that asset just continues to soar up. So, for long-term growth and for long-term wealth Owning multifamily properties, in my opinion, is much better than arbitrage. And let's explain personal net worth very quickly. So if you want to look at it, it's basically the banks will look at what assets you own, right? What is the value and how much do you owe? And that that balance, right? The equity that you have will go towards your personal net worth. They'll look at different investments you have, like registered funds and stocks. Anything that you have there will go towards your personal net worth, cash in your bank account, things like that. Now, why is that important? When you're doing arbitrage, you don't necessarily own the asset or own anything, so you're not building that equity like the other one had, right? So it's not really like a long term personal net worth growing play, unless again you're taking that cash flow and dumping it into another investment. This is where. This side over here will continue to increase your personal net worth over time. So in the beginning, you'll buy the asset. You'll have some, uh, basically your down payment will be your, your equity, your personal net worth in the deal. So over time, when you buy more and more of these, your personal net worth will just continue to increase. And why is that important? When you do go get financing, depending which financial institution you use, they might look at your personal net worth. I know there's some programs out there that will give you more attractive terms. They'll give you lower interest rates, they'll give you higher loan-to-value, they'll do a a longer amortization rate, which basically reduces your monthly payment, okay? And they will look at this and base it off of your personal net worth, okay? So it might not be important today, but as you continue to amass a portfolio, the PNW will come into play and will help you long-term with your wealth growth. Okay, and last but not least, let's talk about short-term rental versus long-term rental. And I've heard this all the time, Dave, short-term rental arbitrage is gonna, is it trumps owning long-term all day every day. So let's go through some scenarios here. Let's go short-term rental. So if you're renting a property here, you're renting it from, let's say the owner, and you're paying them $1,000 a month. So that could be for a your typical long-term tenant that is basically renting it for a 12-month period and paying you $1,000 a month. Now what people like to do, Airbnb arbitrage, is they like to do this, they like to pay you know, the $1,000 a month to the owner, and instead of renting it out for the $1,200 a month, they like to rent it out for, I don't know, 150 bucks a night or $200 a night. You get where I'm going with this. And they end up making a lot more money because short-term rentals, if it's rented for a majority of the time, will most likely make more than long-term rental amounts, okay? But that's subject to a lot of different things, right? If it's, uh, if it's part of an HOA, you can't do it. If it's part of a, a city that is not allowing it or clamping down, there's some cities that just outright don't allow it. There's some cities that do lotteries on it. So this is not a given that you'll be able to do this, okay? However, some people think that arbitrage, short-term rental, trumps owning it. Now I'm here to tell you that, for example, in some of my buildings, let's see if you have a duplex here. Depending on the zoning and depending on what the municipality or the city or the county allows you to do, what's to say that you can't rent, number one, short-term rental. You make it into a VRBO, Airbnb, and what's to say number two doesn't stay as your long-term rental? Okay, so you can do short-term rentals in both options, right? If you have a duplex and you own it, you can still do that. You can test the waters, test the markets. You can still do that. Some people think it's only the arbitrage. Or sorry that the arbitrage has a better advantage with the short-term rental because you're paying the low amount and renting out at the higher amount. Well apply the same strategy over here but instead you're paying the mortgage and charging out different amounts for short-term rental. And to wrap things up yes long-term rental can be done on both sides as well it's just gonna depend on your plate. I just want to touch on this as the last subject because some people think that arbitrage is mostly just short-term rental uh, but I want to let you know that, yes, you can do long-term rental. And yes, on this side, you can do a mix of short-term rental and long-term rental as well. Okay, so in conclusion, both sides have pros and cons, just like any other decision in life. But in my opinion, I've always chosen this one. If you are looking at building long-term wealth, long-term growth, helping your portfolio flourish, and really riding that whole real estate appreciation market, right? because it's not timing the market, it's time in the market, then this one is the no-brainer. If you're looking at just doing something short-term, hey, I want to try this for a couple of months, a year or so, then this might not be a bad option. Okay, so let me know which option do you think works best for you. Make sure to comment below and I'll make sure to write back. And if you like this video and you want to see more like this, just make sure to check out this next one. I'm Dave and I'll see you in the next video.